The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on I'm this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in exactly. to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy. Yeah. Right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, and welcome to a new episode of You Need Therapy Podcast. My name is Kat and I am the host. Quick reminder up top to all the listeners, the new ones and the old ones that this podcast is for more entertainment and educational purposes and does not serve as a replacement for therapy or a substitute for actual mental health services. Now, I have some exciting information, news, things happening. And for all of you that listen to Four Things with Amy Brown, you already know this, most likely if you stay up to date on your episodes and you follow Amy on Instagram. But I co-host Amy's podcast, Four Things with Amy Brown, with her on Tuesdays. And she is putting on a live podcast event on November 5th that I am lucky enough to be a part of, which Actually, that's part of the really exciting news. You can buy tickets. I'll tell you where, um, where you can get those and I'll put a link in the um, show notes. But the second part of the good news is this event kind of kicked my butt into gear and helped motivate me to finally get those sweatshirts out that I have. Well, I promised them to you guys a very long time ago and then I just kind of let it fade because it overwhelmed me. But I got back on track and I have an order coming in and I will have them at the live show for sure. And I'm just kind of like testing out this first design. I really love it. I'm actually obsessed with it. But if it goes well, I'll have options available for you guys to purchase as well, hopefully mid-November, early December. And I think that's really exciting. So we can all have some merch that says some of the stuff that we talk about on here. And the first sweatshirt is a really cute crew neck sweatshirt that says have the day you need to have really big on the back. And oh, guys, it's so cute. So be on the lookout for that. And I am trying my hardest to stay organized and on top of that. So if you guys do want to get those, I can have those in time for maybe pr Christmas presents. You know, I think that is a great Christmas present. Anyway, the tickets for this show are also on sale now. The show is in Wichita, Kansas. So if you're not in Kansas 
and you've always thought, hey, I really want to go to Kansas, but I've never really had a reason to go. Now you have a reason to go. So I'm going to post the link so you can um, just click on that to go buy your tickets and then I'll keep you up to date on the merch as it develops. Also, this is just me talking about my life, but I don't know if it is just me. I'm hoping it's not. I'm feeling like so exhausted right now. I feel like summer is supposed to be the really busy time where you like have something every weekend and you're always going and you're always doing and you're traveling. And then fall is supposed to be more relaxed. And I'm like the least relaxed I've ever been this year. Don't get me wrong. I've been enjoying the things I've been doing. I just got to go to Asheville for three, four days this past week. And I mean, I love going to Asheville. And the things that I have been doing have been awesome. But I feel really rushed to like get everything done that I want to do within fall plus all the like just other obligations I have before like fall comes to a close because I feel like fall is one of those seasons that it takes forever to show up and then it's gone with like a blink but there's so many fun fall activities like going to a pumpkin patch and like I don't like pumpkin spice flavored things but like I still like to be a part of the projects and making pumpkin spice things and like getting pumpkins and decorating your porch with little hay bale and carving pumpkins and like I just feel like I don't have enough time to like do all the things. Maybe it's just me, but I'm just putting this out there because if it's not just me, then we're in this together. And last weekend, like I said, I was in a wedding in Asheville. And then this coming weekend, I'm going to another wedding in Kentucky with him. I'm going to meet some of his family. Hopefully it goes well. But yeah, I just like can't wait for the weekend, which will be the following weekend actually, when you listen to this, it'll be the weekend coming up. I can't wait until that weekend because I have nothing planned. And I told Patrick, my boyfriend, I was like, oh my God, I cannot wait to just do nothing and just like lay. But then I was like, I'm actually really craving Adele's brunch. I don't know why I'm telling you guys this, but I'm actually really craving Adele's brunch. If you guys live in Nashville and you haven't been to brunch at Adele's, it is so good. It's a buffet. It's like pretty inexpensive for how much food you like can get. Because when I go to Adele's for like a dinner and I get a meal it's more than this it's so good it has literally everything I could be there for hours but you know that's frowned upon so anyway I think this following weekend I'm going to do nothing do some laundry maybe vacuum my house because I got a new vacuum and I'm obsessed with it guys I used to hate vacuuming I promise we'll get to the content for today I used to like despise it because like I had to get this big heavy vacuum out and like the cord and just plug in. And you have to move the cord. But my mom got me this new vacuum, the Dyson one. And it brings me so much joy. It is so fun. It's so easy to use. It's so easy to empty out. There's all these different attachments. I like honestly could vacuum for hours. So <laughs> this coming weekend, I'm going to vacuum and I'm going to go to Adele's and I cannot wait. Anyway, I just really started to say that because I... Just wanted to put that out there. If you guys are as overwhelmed as I am, like we're in it together and maybe we can help each other like slow down so we can like actually enjoy the things we are participating in. Because like I said, most of these things I'm doing are fun. I don't want them to like rush by me because I'm nervous about or anxious about getting to the next thing. So anywho, let's get into today's content. thought today would be a nice time where we could dive deeper into compassion, but more specifically self-compassion. 
These words are words we hear a lot and probably even use a lot. However, I often wonder if we really have been able to understand the fullness of what the words even mean. So we're going to talk about that today. What's interesting, at least to me, is that specifically self-compassion is something that has been highly researched, kind of like shame and vulnerability have with Brene Brown. Self-compassion has been deeply studied by Dr. Kristen Neff. And I think what she has found in her teachings are super important and can be highly, highly influential and helpful if we take a take the time to look into them. They don't have as much of the excitement, I guess, around them as some of the teachings that Brene Brown has done. And that's okay. But I just want this to be just as important because self-compassion is just as important as learning about shame and vulnerability. And Kristen Neff is really, honestly, a pioneer in the study of self-compassion. She's the first one to operationally define and measure it. And she did this 20 years ago. So it's time we are up with the research, you know? And she's actually been recognized as one of the world's most influential research psychologists. And it might feel like I'm introducing her to come on and talk to us, but I'm not. (laughs) I'm just going to talk about her research and some of the stuff that she has and some of her content. She has an, a website, selfcompassion.org, that if you are interested in more, you can find more about her. You can find more about the courses she offers and the writings and the research that she's done. But today we're going to start with the basics. She also has an awesome TED Talk, which is how I even found her. And I'm going to link that in the show notes as well. And after you listen to this episode, that might be something that you really want to sit down and watch. It's only like 20 minutes and for me, it was is really helpful and a game changer um, in my personal life and in therapy life. I also think this episode makes sense to put out now, specifically if you've listened to the conversation I had with Liz Plank a couple weeks ago about like the mental health overload. This is because when we get overwhelmed, it's easy to move straight into a completely negative space, which I'm doing my work with that. Like I was talking about earlier, like I'm very overwhelmed in my life and I don't want to be upset about being overwhelmed. I want to enjoy the things that I'm in. And what we want to do is we want to create a black and white space very often. It's all good. It's all bad. I'm overwhelmed by mental health content. So I want to categorize it as all bad. And then I get frustrated that I'm being all negative when in reality, I'm not being completely negative. I'm just being negative about mental health content. So today I want to talk about learning how to struggle in sometimes an in-between state. And I can be having a hard time. I can be frustrated with something, honor that experience and not write that off, but also not take it too far. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start by reading Kristen Neff's definition of self-compassion straight from her website. So these are her words, not mine at all. Having compassion for oneself is really no different than having compassion for others. Think about what the experience of compassion feels like. First, to have compassion for others, you must notice that they are suffering. If you ignore that homeless person on the street, you can't feel compassion for how difficult his experience is. Second, compassion involves feeling moved by others' suffering so that your heart responds to their pain. The word compassion literally means to suffer with. When this occurs, you feel warmth, caring, and the desire to help the suffering person in some way. Having compassion also means that you offer understanding and kindness to others when they fail or make mistakes rather than judging them harshly. Finally, when you feel compassion for another rather than mere pity, it means that you realize that suffering, failure, and imperfection is a part of the shared human experience. There but for fortune go I. 
Self-compassion involves acting the same way towards yourself when you're having a difficult time, fail, or notice something you don't like about yourself. Instead of just ignoring your pain with a stiff upper lip mentality, you stop to tell yourself, this is really difficult right now. How can I comfort and care for myself in this moment? Instead of mercilessly judging and criticizing yourself for various inadequacies or shortcomings, self-compassion means you are kind and understanding when confronted with personal failings. Okay, so I love the part that says we cannot ignore our pain and feel compassion for it at the same time. Therefore, to treat ourselves like we would a good friend, we must acknowledge that we are hurting, which there lies a key to a lot of our healing. To heal, we must acknowledge. You cannot work through something, heal something, change something that you refuse to acknowledge. And think about it this way. If you were to ignore pain of a friend, hoping that it would just like go away, you wouldn't be being a very good friend. And most people aren't going to do that to others, but we so easily do it to ourselves. You don't generally look at your friends and say, oh, you messed up once, what a loser. You would say, hey man, or woman, or whoever, you messed up once. I know that's really tough and it doesn't change who you are. Also, oh my gosh, side note, I saw an Instagram post from Erin Lane, who was on the podcast a couple months ago to talk about her book, Someone Other Than a Mother. And the post was a picture of a little note that she was writing to one of her daughters. And it read, win or lose, we love watching you try. Trying is cool. And in the caption she wrote, when you write a note to your child and realize it's also a note to you. And this is the kind of note that I want to like write to all my friends and family. I've honestly never been a big sports girl. Growing up, I liked playing sports, but I've never really enjoyed watching sports, except if I knew somebody that was playing. If someone important to me was playing, then I would be literally like all over watching whatever game it was. And it wasn't just because I wanted to like go watch them win or go watch them be perfect. It was because I wanted to see them. I wanted to support them. I wanted to cheer them on. I wanted to be there for them. And I've been to countless games where the people that I went to go watch lost and countless games where the people that I went to go watch maybe had a bad game. And personally, this is how I was. I don't, I don't know if this is universal, but I didn't leave that event thinking, oh God, how embarrassing it is to be them. Like what a waste of my time. What a loser. I was like, oh, it sucks. I know they're disappointed. Like nobody wants to perform poorly and nobody wants to lose, but having off days is a part of life and it's a part of being human. And I remember one time, I don't know what game this was, but my older brother, both of my brothers were kickers for football, but my older brother specifically, I remember there was some game that he played and he didn't do well. And to be honest, I don't even remember like what happened or what it was that he didn't do like what point he missed or maybe he had a bad pun I don't know but I do remember him like locking himself in his room for like days and he didn't want to talk to anybody and I didn't get it because I was like okay you had a bad game that is awful like I do have empathy for that because I mean I know what it feels like to have bad game but personally I still want to be around you But I think for him, a bad game meant more than a bad game. There was no room for self-compassion there. There was no way to embrace being human as part of his identity as an athlete. And living that way forever can be debilitating and also like exhausting. And I think about sports psychology. I'm not a sports psychologist, obviously. But when you have that much pressure on you to always be perfect, you're bound to mess up. And then you're less likely to feel confident going out there and trying again. However, I really think self-compassion can help you embrace the feeling that, hey, I'm going to mess up and that doesn't mean that I can't do well again. I also think this is something to highlight, especially with 
this example that self-compassion is not like self-pity. And, and um, Kristen says that in the definition, when you feel compassion for another person rather than pity, it means you realize that suffering, failure, and imperfection is part of the shared human experience. It's not about feeling bad for yourself. It's about acknowledging pain and hardship while knowing it isn't the wholeness of you. And I think that is very, very important to remember because I think people don't want to like, I don't want to be too soft on myself and I don't want to give myself too much leeway because then I won't whatever. And it's like, no, you're I don't want to like just wallow and self-compassion isn't any of those things at all. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hold up. 
Dr. Neff also breaks down self-compassion to three elements, which I want to share with you in order to get a real feel for what self-compassion entails. And hopefully that will help you actually bring this into a more regular practice within your life. So the first one is self-kindness for self-judgment. And I'm reading this also from her work. So this right here is, these are not my words. This is what she says. Self-compassion entails being warm and understanding towards ourselves when we suffer, fail, or feel inadequate rather than ignoring our pain or flagellating ourselves with self-criticism. Self-compassionate people recognize that being imperfect, failing, and experiencing life's difficulties is inevitable. So they tend to be gentle with themselves when they're confronted with painful experiences rather than getting angry when life falls short of set ideals. People cannot always be or get exactly what they want. When this reality is denied or fought against, suffering increases in the form of stress, frustration, and self-criticism. When this reality is accepted with sympathy and kindness, greater emotional quality is experienced. And oh my God, I love the last part, so I'm going to read part of it again. I really want you guys to hear, people cannot always be or get exactly what they want. When this reality is denied or fought against, suffering increases in the form of stress, frustration, and self-criticism. Okay accepting the reality of life. It's hard. When we accept the reality of life, we don't have to ask questions like, what's wrong with me? Because the reality is the thing that is in quotes wrong that might not actually be wrong with you is the same thing that's in quotes wrong with everybody. We just are human. So therefore we have imperfection and and we have shortcomings. And I see this a lot with dating you go on a date, you think it's amazing, you can't wait to see the other person again or hear from them. Or even if like you don't think it's amazing, if you're just like, whatever, and you just want to see, you're like, I'll give them another chance, this can happen. But then if you you do hear from them, it's not exactly what you expect. But the text you receive is, I think we would be better as friends. And then the cycle begins in your head. Or maybe it is you don't even get any text. And then the cycle also begins in your head. So when you accept the reality that the human experience is to not get everything you want, you don't have to go down the rabbit hole of all the things you did wrong during the day. When you fail to accept this, then you keep searching for answers that will help you understand the reason that this didn't work out. And it's exhausting because it's pain. It's painful to like not get what you want. It's painful to feel rejected. That's all pain. But what this does, rejecting reality, turns pain into suffering. And it's honestly really unnecessary. By not inviting self-compassion into our lives, we all put ourselves through unnecessary extra pain and suffering, period. Okay, so let's move on to number two. This is the second element of self-compassion, and it is common humanity versus isolation. So I'm going to read a little bit of what Kristen says about this on her website. Frustration at not having things exactly as we want is often accompanied by an irrational but pervasive sense of isolation, as if I were the only person suffering or making mistakes. All humans suffer. However, the very definition of being human means that one is mortal, vulnerable, and imperfect. Therefore, self-compassion involves recognizing that suffering and personal inadequacy are part of the shared human experience, something that we all go through rather than being something that happens to me alone. Okay, and I know I might be being redundant, but I'm going to read this again too because I really want you to soak this part in and it's short, so... I want you to hear it again. Frustration at not having things exactly as we want is often accompanied by an irrational but pervasive sense of isolation, as if I were the only person suffering or making mistakes. All humans suffer. 
The very definition of being human means that one is mortal, vulnerable, and imperfect. Therefore, self-compassion involves recognizing that suffering and personal inadequacy is part of the shared human experience, something that we all go through rather than being something that happens to me alone. The isolation, this is me talking cat, not uh, Kristen's words. The isolation in this is talking about how we often think we are like special in our pain. It's just us. Something is wrong with us because we fail. It's very much like I get the vibes from the same idea of terminally uniqueness that's often talked about in AA communities. And if you're not familiar with the term terminally unique, it's this false belief that your experiences with substance abuse are unlike any others. And often those struggling with addiction and people coming to terms with their addiction will tend to want to think that they are somehow different or unique from other addicts. And instead of recognizing like the similarities and their behaviors and identifying um, that they have a problem just like the other people that they're around in those spaces, these people will focus on the differences and then exaggerate them in their heads. And it's not helpful. It actually really can push them away from getting help and really can push them away from actually just like recognizing what it is that they need to work on. So when we invite self-compassion in, we actually recognize that we're not alone in the fact that we are not perfect. And my imperfection isn't worse than yours. It isn't better than yours. Without self-compassion, we can often play this like covert narcissism game where I'm like, the best worst, right? So the worst ever. So I'm the best at being bad. Like I'm the best at failing. I'm like, my personal failings are better in the sense that they're worse than other people's. And I hope this makes sense because I know I'm using a lot of like confusing, they're not confusing words, but when they put together, they're contradictory, but you know what I'm, I'm trying to say. Anyway, when we do this, it's almost like we're like, nobody can relate to how horrible I am. And it's just me. And I'm this special bad one. And with a terminally unique kind of people, it's that same way, but it makes them like, oh no, your stuff is over there and my stuff's over here. We're not the same at all. When really like we heal through community, we heal through people, we heal through realizing that we're not alone in our pain and in our flaws. Imperfection is not a unique flaw in any of us. Disappointment is not a, a unique feeling in any of us. It's part of the human experience. And when we can bring that in, we can offer more care and kindness to ourselves. And that is Again, why this is what we're talking about. This is one of the key elements of self-compassion. So now we're going to move to number three, mindfulness versus over-identification. And again, this part is Kristen's words or Dr. Neff. I don't know what she prefers. I'll ask her if I ever meet her. But self-compassion also requires taking a balanced approach to our negative emotions so that feelings are neither suppressed nor exaggerated. This equilibrated stance stems from the process of relating personal experiences to those who are also suffering, thus putting our own situation into a larger perspective. It also stems from the willingness to observe our negative thoughts and emotions with openness and clarity so that they are held in mindful awareness. Mindfulness is a non-judgmental receptive mind state in which one observes thoughts and feelings as they are without trying to suppress or deny them. We cannot ignore our pain and feel compassion for it at the same time. At the same time, mindfulness requires that we not over-identify with thoughts and feelings so that we are caught up and swept away by negative reactivity. So also, I said this earlier as well, but what I often see in all areas in the therapy room, when it, literally when it comes to anything, is this continued desire to make everything in the world black and white. A constant, almost inherent feeling that there's this need to divide 
things so perfectly on two sides. We're all in, we're all out, we're all wrong, we're all right. It's go big or go home on all fronts. But allowing things to be gray, allowing things to be both, it's an actual game changer. We can feel our pain without becoming our pain. We can feel icky. We can feel those icky emotions while acknowledging that life isn't always horrible. So mindfulness, awareness allows us to like notice these things, but they don't become all encompassing. They're a part of us. And I I sometimes, this is me, my personal feelings. Like I I get this like nervousness um, when we talk about sometimes like the gray area and like noticing that things aren't all encompassing. I'm not over identifying with all the negative in my life, just like I'm not over identifying with all the positive in my life. But when we talk about not over identifying with all the icky stuff in our lives, I get this fear that I'm going to get come at with people who are saying you're spreading toxic positivity. And that's not this at all. And I want you guys to really hear that. Like it's okay to see silver lining. Sometimes there's a way to do it. Toxic positivity uses a but. So With that, it's like, oh, that happened, but just look at the bright side. When what we're talking about is using an and, we're multidimensional. We're saying, notice what you're feeling. Notice the parts that are hard. And also notice that that's not the wholeness of you. So there's an and. It's not but notice. It's and notice also. And my hope in sharing all of this today is that it can help you identify ways in which you can be better at being kinder to yourself. Right? You're allowed to treat yourself like a good friend. And I really like how Kristen, our Dr. Neff, uses that language throughout her teachings. Like self-compassion is talking to yourself like you would talk to a good friend. The longest relationship with anyone that you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself. So it only makes sense that you work on that relationship. It makes sense that you nurture that relationship that you would with any other relationship that you would want to thrive. So Thank you guys for listening this week. As always, if you have any questions, you can send them to Catherine at uniontherapypodcast.com. You can follow me on Instagram at cat.defada and at uniontherapypodcast. Like I said, I will post Kristen's TED Talk in the notes. I will post her website so you can go research more. And I will post a link that you guys can use to go get your tickets for the live Four Things with Amy Brown show in Kansas. That is November 5th. Remember. So I hope you guys have the day you need to have and I will be back with you on Wednesday for Couch Talks. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people 
It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't sister. know we were going to go there on this. <laughs> People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in exactly. to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy. Yeah. Right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.